Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome everyone to resuming Nightlight Part Two. You know, last week the uh, publisher didn't have the author's book ready. Then are supposed to do a family activity over like a three-day period, and that got canceled because of the winter storms. So I just took last Tuesday off. But that didn't mean I wasn't working. But so I ended up having uh, about the next what, four months uh, booked. But we have uh, some great guests coming coming up through the spring. Really looking forward to it. And you know, before we get to all the shows in. March, April, May, and about halfway through June, I went to get through tonight, and I'm excited about uh, tonight's panel of experts. Um, both are return guests. Uh, Brian Seach lives upstream from me in the greater Pittsburgh area, where Yinzers, uh, just like Sherry, uh, Brian is a leading Western Pennsylvania cryptid and UFO researcher. He is a regular fixture at the Mothman Festival and many other regional paranormal conferences. Max Hawthorne is the author of the Kronos Rising series. Max lives on the other side of Pennsylvania. Just kind of, It's kind of regional. Um, it's closer to me than... Zeta Reticuli, so it's kind of nearby. Uh, Max has also turned into a singer-songwriter, and you can learn more about him by going to his website, chronosrising.com. Hi, Brian and Max. How how are you guys tonight? Doing good. Good, glad, glad you're here. You there, Max? Oh, yeah, I'm here. I just didn't want to, like, you know 
me. I try and I'm trying to be less assertive and all that. But thank you uh, for having me. And uh, in the words of Benny Hill, uh, it is an honor and a privilege. So okay, okay. <laughs> all right. Let let me kind of set up our topic for tonight. Um, if we look at the artwork and documentation over the last two millennia and more, um, the artists depict cryptids. Um, when the YouTube archive for this show is posted tomorrow, you can see the samples that uh, Barbara and I picked out and you know be on the scroll. Um, yeah, there's a dragon flying over the English Channel in about a 1520 painting entitled uh, Field of Cloth of Gold. Um, a dragon is also mentioned in the Book of Revelation. Uh, the Philistines' god Dagon was depicted as a merman, and you, know, you get all the uh, like Neanderthal. Uh, cave paintings ha have some merfolk on it. Uh, Native Americans depicted unusual aquatic creatures. So we have all these documented examples of unusual animals, and um, and you know a lot of them are uh, aren't all ocean. Animals. You, you get some uh, associated with rivers, uh, like the behemoth in the Book of Job uh, inhabited marshes. Um, and you know, every once in a while, you, know, you get these uh, YouTube videos that um, you, know, you can uh, find with like a unusual. Uh, flipper uh, kind of popping up out, out of the water. Um, you know, what are some of these creatures uh, that you know we haven't documented? Are you know, they evolving? What are just samples that we've never seen? So um, we're going to get into some of these river monsters. Uh, Uh, this evening, and a lot of them are going to be in the eastern part of the United States. Okay, um, Brian, one of the local archaeological sites that you know, has generated uh, a lot of people writing about it is the Indian God Rock. Uh, yeah, you've been there. Uh, can, some some of the you know drawings of it from the uh, turn of the century, uh, last century uh you know discusses a lot of these um, animals that were drawn on it uh, uh, you've been there um what can you, can you tell us a little bit about this uh place you know uh how can you see the animals that are that were uh, carved on the rocks? Well, it's 
Uh, Indian God Rock, is, it is up in uh, Venango County uh, along the Allegheny River. The, uh, there has been a lot of vandal, vandals uh, doing some things on the rock, too. Uh, it's right off of a trail. You go off the trail, it's right there. Most of the Indian carvings are towards the riverside, so you have to kind of, uh, you know, go down and kind of look at them. And they're a little bit weathered now, obviously. Um, there is, there, there's one that looks like an archer. Uh, there's two that are, that are kind of weird. They kind of possibly could look like a, like a regular snake. And then there's other drawings of other uh, known things also. Um, what, you know, what they could depict, we don't know. Even like along the Susquehanna River, there's, uh, there's petroglyphs. And there's one, uh, one of looks like a giant bird or a thunderbird, and another looks like a giant snake. Um, again, you know, I don't think, know if we can draw a conclusion that they're talking about a serpent or a thunderbird, but they, one looks like a bird, one looks like a, basically like a snake. So we don't know exactly what uh, Native Americans who were living there were trying to depict. So I think that's the one thing with some of the uh, uh, petroglyphs. We, we don't know exactly, you know, you would have to think at first they're just thinking about normal, uh, normal animals that they would see every day, but. Uh, like a bear. There's some, yeah, like a bear and things like that. So, again, I think you have to be kind of a little cautious too. That we don't know exactly what they were, uh, what they were drawing. I know in Pennsylvania we had a, uh, a legend of a creature. Pennsylvania, West Virginia, called the Agua or the uh, Ogua, however you want to say it. Uh, o G U A was sort of a giant, kind of like a brownish turtle-looking animal. Um, the theory saying it was just, it, you know, it could have been a giant turtle. Possibly somebody even suggested maybe this thing was a, a uh, somehow was a an alligator that came up to, it swam up the Mississippi and it, and it stayed for a short period of time. And then legends were spawned, spawned and, and, you know, once it's, you know, you get the oral tradition, it keeps going on and on. So um, that is one here from the, uh, from Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, the Ogwa is uh, uh, a new term to me. Um, and you know what you were saying about the alligator. It, it, uh, that segues in, into the petroglyphs that were documented to be in the Weirton, West Virginia, and East Liverpool, Ohio area, and in, on these rock outcroppings on the banks of the Ohio River and on um, a couple islands, there are uh, some of these really bizarre animal uh you know one's uh, like a mermaid uh it's a hybrid type figure and I sent both of you uh oh my photos of them um and, and you mentioned uh possibility of an alligator migrating uh you know one of the 
copies of the petroglyph uh, does look like a um, manatee. Uh, uh, Max, is there, you know, with all your marine expertise, could a manatee have uh, lived th- this far north in the Ohio River Basin, or yeah, yeah, or the Mississippi, et cetera. Um, uh, well, I, 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 like in, in the uh, northern stretches of, stretches of the Ohio River, it, it's uh, seems like it's uh, too cold up here. But the uh, depiction of this, whatever the artist saw, does look like a manatee. Um, well, I look at the. Uh, I, I assume these are like rubbings or. Uh, Something right, right. Uh, based on the uh, carvings on the petroglyphs and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I, I would say like, uh, I mean, the manatee thing I'll address in detail. But two of them, um, in my opinion, are keeping in mind. I mean, granted, uh, Indian god rock is limestone, so that's a bit softer, et cetera. But even so, we're talking carving in, in stone, and it does right. kind of limit, you know, with the technology that uh, the American Indians had the ability to really do that in terms of like metallurgy, et cetera. But I mean, there's two birds that look like they're kind of like duking it out a bit and stuff. And I would say those are probably turkeys based on their behavior and the the tail feathers they have sticking up in the back there, you know, two male gobblers going at it, that type of thing. Um, The one that I mentioned to you that sort of looks like a totem pole, you know, yeah. at first I thought mm-hmm. that was a turkey, but then I realized it has a branch under it that it's seated on. And if you look at the pattern on it and stuff, to me, it's probably, it was probably a large, like a red-tailed hawk or something. They have that sort of pattern across the breast and on the wings and things of that nature. Um, the manatee ones, the tail shape, et cetera, was very distinctive. And I, uh, you know, went on to research gate, et cetera, and all and uh, there actually is a, there was a paper out in '04 by Williams and Domning that detailed Pleistocene or post-Pleistocene manatees in both the Mississippi and Ohio River valleys. They have actual fossils of those, and post-Pleistocene would be anything after like 11,700 years ago. So it seems to me, I mean, sometimes. Here in the in PA, in the Delaware River, for example, we get occasionally a, an errant whale that swims up stream, so to speak, and belugas and things like that. So right. I would imagine that hundreds or more likely thousands of years ago, even 10,000 or more, that these animals might have had a greater range than they do today. And there is fossil evidence that proves that. I mean, there's not a ton of the bones. They're individual fragments, but it seems to me that during the warmer months in particular, July, August, when the water temperatures are a little more favorable, they may well have swam upstream looking for greener pastures and been preyed on by Native Americans. I mean, a manatee Mm -hmm. would be, uh, you know, it's like a giant swimming cheeseburger to a hungry predator like a shark or something like that. I would imagine people would think it was quite a, you know, a, 
mobile buffet and slow moving and relatively defenseless, et cetera, you know, that may well be what happened. I don't know that that would have necessarily contributed to their no longer being there if they were regulars. There isn't evidence of that yet, but they were definitely there. So I would think that that one petroglyph does represent a manatee. Yeah, Max, I, you know, I, I think a lot of the, um, Museum curators in, in the area probably um, are have a consensus that uh, you know these petroglyphs were probably um, carved into stone. Uh, probably after 1450 AD. I mean, you know, so we aren't, we don't need to go back to, you know, like 11,000 uh, uh, BC. But, but it, 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 it's just fascinating that maybe these artists were depicting something, you know, just a few surviving examples. Of you know, manatees or you know, some kind of creature that still lived up here that has uh, become extinct since maybe 1450, or, and like the and you had uh, you, know, you posted on your uh, website today about that um, stellar sea ape and. You know, the video uh, talked about mammals have the um, horizontal tails and sharks have the vertical tails. It, uh, all the – what was depicted in the artwork seems very ac- – an accurate depiction of something. Well, it does have that spoon-shaped fluke, if you want to call it that, that manatees are yeah. known for. And uh, it's very distinctive, so I wouldn't attribute that to something else, to be honest. It's kind of hard to miss. I mean, once you've seen a manatee, and I I mean, they're known for being up and down the the coast there, so it doesn't surprise me that individuals would migrate. Mating season, food shortages, curiosity. I mean, they, they're they air-breeding mammals. They can, If it's warm enough out, they're going to go where they want pretty much. And I would imagine in a really hot summer, that wouldn't. there's nothing to stop them from going there. The only thing that stops them is barriers like, you know, rapids, things like that. But, I mean, by and large, I mean, but the evidence is there. I mean, it's documented. The Smithsonian has the, the material to prove it. So we know that manatees were in there. They said they, they said they had bones from the Ohio River drainage basin in Ohio, and from the Mississippi River on the Arkansas Mississippi border. So it seems like uh, you know between that and and the shape of the fluke on the image there, I would bet that manatees were seen by the the Indians as they were traveling out there, whether they were hunted or not. Nobody could say at this point. But I mean, I know that they would prey on other things like. Uh, there was a very large alligator snapping turtle that somebody caught not too long ago that was several hundred years old, and it had a stone arrowhead broken off in its skull. And that arrowhead had wow. been in there for, like, several centuries. 
So some fisherman with a bow and arrow had taken a shot at this turtle when it was maybe only 100 pounds instead of 275 or whatever, and he wounded it but didn't manage to kill it, and it had this arrowhead permanently stuck in its cranium. So, you know, people get hungry, they want to eat things. Yeah, it, uh, uh, Brian, what, uh, yeah, so how, Max just brought up uh, some of these animals can uh, – Uh, travel up and down the uh, waterways until you know they run into a barrier. And you know, just if it's a particularly hot summer, you know, before the dams, you know, uh, they might be trapped in a pool until uh, you know the waters uh, rise. You know, in your studies of uh, you know, Western Pennsylvania uh, cryptids. Uh, it, it, how is the geography, the hilly uh, geography, uh, affecting the movement of, uh, you know, just say Bigfoot or Dogman? Well, you know, down where you you know you live and. You know, basically up where I live, you know, the higher river valley, you have your rivers going through it, and it, then you have mountains or, you know, big hills or mountains around them. Uh, as far as, like, you know, like the rivers, the rivers back then aren't what they are today because we have natural dams and things like that, and rivers that may have been shallow, uh, you know, back then are shallower. They're a lot uh, deeper now because of dams. So, uh, you know, back then maybe maybe some of these, you know, like he says, a man, manatee or or some other kind of aquatic animal, you know, may or may not have been able to, uh, you know, to go up to go up them. Now, when he was talking about like ten thousand, that's something that that's not something I I really don't know much about. Um, so I, I can't really comment no. on that. But it, it yeah, but, do, with, with um. The the rivers, you know, like the Three Rivers area, you know, around Pittsburgh. It, it, have you or even uh, you know uh, colleagues like uh, Fred Saluga had mm-hmm. had reports where some of these, you know, like the same cryptid is being seen on a regular. Uh, basis, uh, because it's confined within uh, you know, the boundaries of the rivers or some of the uh, hill ranges. We have we have do have sightings of of Bigfoot all up and down the uh, uh, from all the way from you know West Virginia here into uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, they're not confined as much. To the rivers, but we a lot of people, you know, do believe they do follow water water sources, or they're always, you know, if it's a if if it is a flesh and blood animal, it has to drink. Mm-hmm. So and there could and there is, uh, you know, caves, a lot of caves along, you know, from up by you to all the way up by us that these creatures probably could hide. As they, I do kind of believe that they do. If you want to say migrate, it might be a term. Uh, 
it's harder for them to harder for them to be caught if they you know if they're constantly on the move too, and they and they may follow uh, food sources. Now, I know up here where we live in in Beaver County, we do get reports of Bigfoot, but they're mainly mainly from say September into uh, maybe beginning of February. It's always in the fall, the you know the fall to early winter, and then they seem to stop. We we get very few sightings of Bigfoot, documented sightings. I'm not talking about the ones that have either been doc, documented by another researcher or by our organization. We tend to get them uh, only about four or five months out of the year. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean they're not seen other months of the year. I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm just going by the documented, like somebody came to an organization and said, hey, I saw this, and it's documented that uh, this creature was seen, say, here in the uh, Beaver and Beaver County, or something like that. Uh, there may yeah. still be sightings in other parts of the uh, parts of the year, but uh, they're not documented. Nobody's coming to us or anyone else and telling us that they're seeing these creatures anytime. Well, but it, those yeah, there, there, well, yeah, there are probably less people in the woods after hunting season. You know, th- you know, around Thanksgiving. Uh, but uh, you know, so some of the hunters are leaving out their trail cams. Uh, are they filming unusual things walking through the woods? It the thing with trail cams. There's there's thousands of them out there, right? Um, mm-hmm. If and I've always kind of said this is. If somebody claims that they, if they, you know, hey, I, I caught this on a trail cam, I want to show you. People tend to only show their friends or people, the relatives they can trust or close friends. Because if you would follow, say you would go on one of these Bigfoot sites or, and somebody, hey, I caught this on my trail cam and they put it up there for everybody to see. A lot of times they're immediately attacked. They're like, hey, this is. Uh, you're just getting a part of a bear, or this is somebody in a suit. So if you watch, if you do watch this field from afar, a lot of people are very shy about uh, saying that, "Hey, I caught some, something on my 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 video camera, you know, or my, or my trail cam." And I understand it. I really understand it. Um, very. I think that there's. I I believe that there's some really good footage out there that has never seen the light of day for the general public and probably for good reason. And I, I, I can't, you know, I've got to kind of agree with them in a way because you're going to get ridiculed. You're, you're, you're going to get attacked first. You're going to get attacked. Hey, you know, show me proof. I want more proof. I think it's a man in a suit. Um, or I think, Hey, you know, you, you cut part of a bear's back or something like that. So I, I, mm-hmm. I've always felt that there's some really good, evidence on some of these cams or someone's got some, but they're just not going to show it. And again, I can't blame them. Okay. Max, since you know, we've been talking about uh, some regional, um, the possibility of some regional uh, cryptids, mm-hmm. You have 
had a sighting in Connecticut near Barbara's old house with mm-hmm. of Swan's Pond. Uh, yeah, you're a lake monster. <laughs> so, but it wasn't a lake monster. It was hairy and humanoid. So okay, uh, uh, so uh, what, it, it was like a bathing Bigfoot, or uh, can, can you tell us I think that it was story? Bathing. I think it was either swimming or it was feeding on stuff that it was diving down for or something. But uh, I mean, uh, I think I've seen one, two, three cryptids in my day. One in Pennsylvania. Uh, one in Pennsylvania, not far from where I live, which we haven't spoken about, that young Bigfoot, and something else near Philadelphia, which I've never talked about publicly about. And I'm, we're not going to talk about it now. But, um, yeah, the uh, the hairy red thing, as we called it, um, and this is before many years ago. I think I was like in my maybe late 20s, on the guess. So it's got to be... 25, 27 years ago, something like that. Um, but my family, we used to have a house on Cantlewood Lake in Danbury, Connecticut. You know, right on the lake was great fishing. Oh, my God. And uh, Squance Pond is a uh, like a state park that's really part of Cantlewood. It's a connected sort of. Um, and the, the two lakes, really it's the same lake, are connected by a, a causeway, man-made, you know, road that crosses over. It's built up like stones built up with, you know, a little two-lane highway crossing it, like a bridge. And uh, there's a, I guess, a steel and concrete, like, opening underneath all right. that, you know, that for the water to flow through and for wildlife to be able to, you know, swim back and forth from one, one lake to the other. And we would go there and fish it sometimes, uh, you know, you'd see muskrats and beaver and sometimes and fish, obviously, and ducks and swans and geese and, you know, all sorts of stuff, carp. But um, so this one day, like, we were into getting up super early, and I think it was a weekday. I'm not sure. But um, we got up, like, crack of dawn, if not earlier, and it had been raining, like, all night, and it was still overcast and ugly out when we got there, but it wasn't raining, so we didn't care. We were going to fish. And uh, it was me and two of my knucklehead brothers, and we went to the causeway. We parked in Squants and uh, you know, set up shop there. We had live shiners on bobbers, and we cast them out. We weren't catching nothing. And uh, there was nobody on the lake. So that's why I'm, I don't remember if it was a weekday or a weekend, but it was pretty early. And uh, I think the fact that, like, the... You know, if the weather had been bad, probably deterred most people from getting up that early to begin with. And, uh, like, uh, there was no boats out there, nothing, just us. And after, an, I don't know, half an hour or something like that, the guys got bored. So they decided to go leave that side of the causeway, go up, cross the little road to the Candlewood side. So, like, you know, they're basically, like, up the hill and across the street kind of. You know, if you yelled, you could hear each other, Okay. But um, right. so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm tenacious. I'm like, I'm going to catch a big bass and show these guys. So I'm sitting there and uh, the rocks, they're like uh, large gray, gravelly, I don't know what kind of rocks they are, but 
you know, that they used for this construction. But so it's kind of like a little slippery and treacherous. You have to watch your footing on this stuff. And I'm kind of crouched down there, sitting there, and, uh, you know, nothing's happening. And then I see something come to the surface. It was pretty far out at first, you know, maybe a couple hundred feet on a guess. I don't know. But uh, it came up. It was kind of dark in the distance. And then it went under again. And then it came up again. This time it was a little closer. And then it went under again. And it was still kind of far. And as it started getting closer, I started, like, making out, like, details. And the thing that kept coming up to the surface was like round, you know, like a dome or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was hairy. I could see that it had reddish brown like hair on it. And it would come up and that part of it would be at the surface and it would then it would go under again, then it would come up again. And then it would it started I noticed it would swim on the surface for a little bit. And as it got closer, I don't know if it was maybe a hundred feet away at this point. I'm I mean I'm guessing it's a long time ago, but um I noticed it was long, you know and I'm looking, I'm like, what is that? You know, I'm like, it's definitely not a muskrat. It's way too big to be a beaver. I'm like, is that a deer? And I'm looking, and, you know, there's no head sticking up. You know how deer swim, and it was the wrong color, and it had longer hair. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, finally I thought, okay, it's a big Irish setter. That's what it's got to be, because the color looks sort of like an Irish setter that's, like, you know, swimming on the surface. But I'm like, but why does it keep going under? And why am I not seeing a dog-shaped head? You know, it was, like, really bizarre. And then I, I noticed that, like, at one point, as it was swimming, it's, like, its back portion moved, like, you know how, like, when you see girls in a mermaid suit and they swim and their legs are obviously mm-hmm. together inside that? That's how it swam. It had, like, legs trailing in the back, and it, they moved together up and down, not like a person doing like a crawl stroke or something like that where we're doing flutter kicks, you know. And it would come to the surface for a little bit, and then it would, you know, just a second or two, and then it would go back under, and then it would stay under for, I don't know, 30 seconds or a minute, and then it would come up again. It was a little bit closer each time. And eventually it was about, I'm going to say, 60 feet away, 70 feet away. I don't really know. The water was very, like, um, coffee-colored, you know, because I guess all the runoff from the rain and what, you know, kind of murky. But uh, right. and as it got closer, I was like, what the heck is that? You know, I'm like, so I like kind of shifted position. I was trying to like move up a little bit to see a higher vantage point down on it. And as I did, I like uh, dislodged some of the rocks and they like clattered down or whatever. And as that happened, it was like near near at the surface at this point it broke the surface and dove fast. And as it did that, it went straight down. I saw its arm come up out of the water, meaning I saw its shoulder, an upper arm, a definite elbow, and a forearm, you know, like that. It broke the surface like that, Mm -hmm. and then it went under. And I'm like, okay, I don't know any animal native to this continent that has an elbow, you know, like this. It looked like, like it was about the size of my arm, and but covered with long, dripping, obviously wet, reddish brown hair. And the whole thing was maybe five feet long, something like that. It wasn't, you know, an eight foot, nine foot behemoth or anything like that. So if it was uh, a young 
Sasquatch, which I believe it was. It had this round head from seam like coming at it, and all, and it had an elbow, and it was kind of you know, and legs and all this stuff. It must have been like a, a juvenile that was out there screwing around, or you know, whatever the case may be. But when it went under, and it could stay under a long time. I mean, it was obvious because you know it wasn't like it would be under for a while, whatever it was doing. I don't know if there's you know freshwater mussels down there or crayfish, lots of crayfish with all the rocks and stuff around. You know, but um, and then it swam under. I saw like the shadowy form deep down that it was going through that tunnel that connected the two lakes. You know, like you could see something moving down there, and I was like, oh man! So I like left my rods, put them in free spool in case I got a hit, and I ran up. You know, clambered up the top of the road, crossed the overpass, and I ran out to my brothers who were also catching nothing. And I said, guys, guys, I said, look, right here, right down there. I showed them the other side of this, you know, where the, the waterway was. I said, this big, hairy red thing is going to come through here right now. Just watch, watch, watch. So they're standing there, and they're all watching. And there was like a disturbance in the water. Remember, the water was really crappy. But, uh, but it didn't surface. And then about 30 seconds later, maybe, there was a, on the left side at the shoreline, there was all these lily pads, you know, which are perfect bass habitat, by the way. And there was a sudden disturbance in the lily pads, like something was moving through there, you know, and it could have been a huge fish, you know, striking something or whatever, but, you know, something was moving through there. And that was all we saw. And of course, they told me I was an idiot and I was like imagining things and making up stories and, you know, like, right. like Brian was saying, <laughs> yeah. 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 you know, well, yep. Brian, have you heard any uh, any you know, Bigfoot stories with you know, you know this reddish hair? You know, if it you know looks like an Irish setter, that's you know the distinctive red color plus reddish orange. They have a long snout. No, it didn't have a snout. I mean, it, this thing's face was like down. So I like when it was in yeah. the water. I like saw like mm-hmm. the top half of its head, which looked like a dome kind of. You know, it was like like you're, if you're looking at the top of your head, sort of, or something, or part of it. You know, but uh, I did look up not to interrupt, but I did look up recently. Um, you know, if there was any sightings in there, and there was something that went all the way back to like 1918 or something like that, and it said like fishermen report um, seeing hairy wild child in lake. That was what it, you know, and I think back then nobody had coined the term Sasquatch or Bigfoot or whatever at that point. But uh, that's what they called it, a hairy wild child. So something in there had been seen at one point. I don't, you know, but that's all I can tell you. Sorry. Okay. Brian, have you had any reports similar to what Max saw, a possible wild child? Uh, As far as... uh... The color, uh, you know, uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, we have black. Uh, you know, Bigfoot are seen black, brown. Uh, yeah, even even reddish. There there have been some reports of uh, these creatures that have reddish type hair, like just exactly like he was talking about. Uh, there was a report, God, it must have been about 10 years ago, that there was uh, uh, one of these creatures, I believe it was, up, uh, it was black in color, though, that was uh, swimming in Lake Erie, and somebody had seen it. I think it was near Prescott, they caught sight of it, and then it went under, and I think it did uh, eventually come up the shore really quick, and then it ran into the woods. So, yeah, these creatures have been known to be seen swimming, so that that's 
that's really interesting because he he actually saw Max actually saw it, um, you know, up probably up closer than what the person in uh, Lake Erie saw. So that is that's a very interesting report, Max. I wish I'd had a camera. I gotta tell you, mm-hmm. I mean, it would have been like something to see, you know. But we were mm-hmm. dumb idiots back then, and, and you don't expect to see something like that. You know, you're hoping to catch, yeah. you know, a nice fish, and then you bring it home to show your dad, and and, and he mm-hmm. accuses you of, you know, borrowing that from somebody who else who caught it, and you, you didn't really catch it. <laughs> oh, he always do that to us. But uh, yeah, it was like, you know, and I, 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 but you know, I was like telling, like, you know, come on, get your rods ready, you know. 20 bucks for whoever can hook the hairy red thing, you know, like <laughs> trying to like snag it or something like that with a lure, you know, that probably wouldn't have gone over too well. But uh, imagine getting spooled or worse, like, you know, mama or daddy, Sasquatch come charging over there, you know, <laughs> not something I want to see coming at me, let me tell you. But okay, like, Max, it, where'd it, he go? He was here a second ago. <laughs> it, it, uh, Max, you also have uh, a sighting of a fairy and Brian was (laughs) the fairy (laughs) I'm sorry that's what my daughter called it okay okay well uh, I'm I'm quoting her Um, Hmm. you know there could be a a more stud muffin term uh, you know in, in your presence but you know we'll We'll uh, come up with the, the fae, a fairy, something like that. I, I mean, okay. I, I I know I talked about this on like uh, Shannon's show, you know, like on a year or two back. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. It was, and I know the date because it's burned into my brain. It was November twenty second of twenty sixteen, so like four and a half years ago or whatever it is now. But um, it was a cold, blustery eve, as she said in her thing. But uh, it was nighttime because, uh, you know, in November, it's already dark here, probably like by 4.30 or something like that or 4 o'clock. But this was around 6.30 when this happened, and I had picked up my daughter at aftercare a little before 6. We went to the local Wawa, which I'm sure you guys know what a Wawa is, right? Mm-hmm. Yes! I don't have to explain it! Ha <laughs> ha! Nobody else knows what a Wawa is. It's terrible. And they're so good, Seven <laughs> Eleven. But anyway, um, yeah. So we went. We we got our grub. You know, um, a dad. I don't really like cook much. You know, and, and we came home and we were driving down the, uh, this through this road, through a development which with a lot of woods around it near our house. And um, I checked the temperatures too and everything. And it was in the like mid thirties at this point. Pitch black out. It was windy, and there were snow flurries. Which was interesting, and uh, but the snow wasn't sticking, and I think that's because of the temperature. It had been a little warmer in the day, and you know, it's 36 degrees. It's not gonna, you know, what I mean, it hits the asphalt, it sort of melts. But it was obscuring visibility, and was a little slippery. So you know, we were being careful, and we're driving along, and we come to this uh, level stretch of road, and there were houses on either side, mind you. Even though the woods is, I don't know, 100 feet to the left and stuff. I live in a very woodsy area. I mean, I have, I had a mountain lion at, on my in my yard two years ago. Okay. Wow. But um, yeah, four inch tracks. <laughs> Imagine you're out walking your dog, and they, my neighbors have these like sissy dogs, you know. So and then, you know, take the dog, take the dog here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
Anyway, so I, I really I gotta get out more. I, my daughter tells me I talk too much, and she's right. So um, we, we're driving along, and you know I'm being careful. There's nobody around or anything like that. Everybody's safe in their houses and what. And I see something up ahead, you know, on the street. So I said out loud, I said something like, uh oh, you got like something in the road ahead or something like that. So my daughter was with me and she was in the car seat on the passenger side. So when I said that, she leaned in so she saw what I saw. And I'm glad because, you know, it was a pivotal moment. If I'd had a dash cam, I'd have been world famous after this, I'm telling you. So what happens is there's this thing this dark thing in the middle of the street, and I'm heading straight for it. So I'm I'm already going fairly slow because you know it's a neighborhood there are kids and stuff like that. So I might have been doing I don't know 15, and I dropped to 10 as I got closer to this thing, and I thought it was a box, you know, and so I didn't want to run over it. So it could have had glass in it, nails in it, you know. What I mean, you don't want to get a blowout or whatever. So I was like adjusting my truck my wheels so that I straddled it as I was going to go, go over it, okay? And I was about, I'm going to say 30 feet away at this point, and the box started to move. And it was windy, like I told you. So I thought, right. this is a flap from the box, you know, and it's the wind is making it push up, you know? But as it turned out, it was something that had been like face down and it was kind of pushing itself upright. And I think that's because it had a 4,000 pound SUV bearing down on it with, you know, fog lights and headlights and stuff. And it was a small creature. So it started to come up and now I, I'm, I'm just going so slow. I'm barely moving and I'm maybe 20, 25 feet from it. I'm looking at it and it looks up at me and I see this face, and I'm like, is that an animal? And my brain is going through, like like in my first novel, there was this uh, computer system called Archimedes, which if you gave it a sample of something, like an organism, a bone, something like that, it could track the entire animal kingdom, and light speed, and identify it. And my brain was doing that. I was going through every animal I knew of in Pennsylvania, in the United States, da -da -da, trying to identify this thing. But it had like this grayish, like dark gray face, and the eyes and mouth were black. And it sort of had like some stuff behind the head. I don't know if it was its body or a mane or something like that, but it was like, like it, there was like hair or something behind the head. Okay. And it was very angry or upset. Like it had this look on its face, like it was like, like that, like mouth open, like like hissing, snarling, something like that. I didn't really see. You just scared my cat, by the way, just to say. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I have two, as you know, so yeah, yeah okay. they don't respond. But um, <laughs> so like you know, so I'm think like I it must have been I don't know if it was angry or frightened. I imagine it was frightened, like I said. I mean, you know, and it, it started to rise up. And I'm like staring at it, and I'm like fixated. Like, what the heck am I looking at? You know, it reminded me sort of like of the homunculus from like the old Sinbad movie, you know? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it's, you know, build sort of and stuff, you know? And then all of a sudden, now I'm at a full stop, and it's at most 
20 feet from my headlights. Okay, And as we're both watching it, it springs into the air, and it has wings now. And it's like suspended in my headlights, like from 20 feet away, maybe 25, something like that, including the, the, the hood. Okay. And so you're pretty close. Just, oh, I was, yeah. And I, I would say its, it's wingspan was maybe between three and four feet. It wasn't tiny. You know, it wasn't like a little Tinkerbell thing. And it had two sets of wings. Uh, they were the same size. And they were long ovals. They weren't like dragonfly wings that have like sort of taper and then one set, the second set's a little smaller, you know. These wings were identical in size and shape, and they were like these long ovals. And it was like straight at us, like the body was vertical, the wings were out to the side, and it was fluttering. The wings were like vibrating like a hummingbird's at high speed. Like you could see them shimmering like, like this. And I'm staring at this thing. And uh, I, I, I couldn't move. You know, I, I didn't know what to do. That's why I said I, if I had a dash camera, because there was no thought of a phone. Or, you know, um, you're looking at this thing, and your brain is like, that's not real. You know, what the heck am I looking at? And, oh, and when it was – this is another thing that was weird. When it was on the ground, like I said, it was like this darkish gray. But when it was jumped up, it looked very almost ethereal. Like the, the wings were transparent except for the edges, which were illuminated, I think because of, of my lights. And the body looked more like silvery white or something like that. It was like completely different in the air. And I think that on the ground it was camouflaging itself. Like I think this thing in the, in the wind and this blinding snow, you know, maybe it hit like a power cord or something like a line or something like that, you know, or a phone line or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's a lot of houses around there and stuff, and it was, like, stunned or hurt, and it crash-landed in the street. And then it was lying there, and then all of a sudden it's got my truck bearing down on it, you know. And it, like, mm-hmm. I get it was highly motivated at that point. But, uh, and it looked, like I said, it was like this, I don't want to use the term magical thing, but it was, like, really something to see. And, it like, this, it, mind you, it's, when I say it jumps up and it's suspended there, it was only a couple of seconds. And it was like, like this, like maybe two, three seconds at most. And I went, what the hell is that? And then Ava pointed at it, like her hand and arm moved. And she went, it's a fairy, daddy. It's a fairy, like that. And then I think it saw her and it just went over the roof of the truck and it was gone. And it was a very strong flyer. I mean, this thing... Called ASS. I'm gonna spell it if I'm allowed to say it. Okay, uh, and and I'm, uh, I sat there for a moment, and I'm like, what, what the, what? You know, like I, I was like all of a sudden I was all shaken up, and she was all excited as anything, because I mean you know she saw a live fairy, and she did, you know, and it couldn't have come at a better time because she was starting to doubt Santa Claus. And I said, well, you saw a fairy, didn't you? So the fairies are real, obviously, you know, St. Nick is. So that <laughs> bought, yeah, bought me some time, you know. And then we drove the rest of the way home, and I pulled into the driveway, and I got out. We walked in, and I was like, I didn't say anything the whole time. I was like muttering to myself. And we got in the house there, and she went to tell 
my wife, you know, excited about it and everything, and she thought we were making it up and all that stuff. She's like, no, Mom, I definitely saw it. I definitely saw it. I saw something. I'm telling you. And me, I just, she was like trying to talk to me. I'm like, uh, 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 and I walk into my office, and I sit down on my computer, and I'm pulling up, like, you know, largest bat in North America, the big brown bat, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. You know, the closest you could come was, like, the extinct, dragonfly from the Carboniferous period, Megalunar, whatever its name is, and this was not a dragonfly, you know? In fact, it was bigger. But uh, so that's what it was. And then uh, stop me if I'm, like, you know, talking too no, much. No, about there, it. Yeah, a no, dragonflies aren't out in November. In, in November, yeah. Yeah, November 20, 22nd. So then what happened after that is, like, we were, like, I mean, I was like, your whole world gets upended when this happens. Like, when I saw the thing in the lake, I had no notion of Bigfoot at the time, like, what it was. I just thought it was some weird, hairy, like, ape-like creature and, you know, whatever, out of sight, out of mind. But this thing, it's like, now I'm thinking, I felt like that the, the scene in, the, in Twilight, you know, where she, she finds out the werewolves are real. And I'm like, is everything real? Are vampires real? Are zombies real? I'm sitting there talking to myself, you know. But, um... So then the following spring, it's like maybe May or something like that, we decided, because the woods where this happened is very near my house, and we decided we were going to, my then agent, okay, she was giving us this lecture. It's, it's a species called a brownie. They're larger than other fairies. They live in trees in the woods high up. Usually they share nests with squirrels, et cetera. This is, what she, this is her talking, not me, okay? They feed on fruit, berries, you know, things of that nature, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't think anything. But uh, we decided we were going to try and communicate with these creatures. Got to be more than one, you know. So, like, uh, we went into the woods. I guess it was maybe like a Sunday or something like that because I remember we were home. And, uh, you know, she had school, but it was probably a weekend. And uh, we went into the woods, you know, know, a couple hundred yards, something like that. And we found, like, a perfectly flat tree stump and we brought a heavy like like a it's like a plastic or something but a heavy bowl that we had um, these beautiful Costco blueberries in there you know the really good ones okay and uh, we sat there on the tree stump and I was armed okay Uh, I don't go wandering in the woods with my little girl without you know being able to protect myself never mind fairies I worry about the two-legged cryptids if you know what I'm saying I don't mean Bigfoot (laughs) but um you know, so anyway, uh, and, you know, I felt a little stupid, honestly, but we tried to talk to them and tell them we meant no harm and they wanted to communicate and sorry about scaring them and this and that. And, then, you know, it was very quiet and nothing happened. They said, well, this is for you guys and enjoy it. It's perfectly safe, yada, yada, yada. And so we hiked back out and we left the bowl there. Okay. So the next day she had school and she said, hey, daddy, daddy, go, go check the fruit and see if the fairy took it and stuff. So, you know, good old dad, I, you know, get my act together and, I don't know, middle of the day, whatever, I go wandering back into the woods and I find a spot and, uh, and there's no trails around there or anything like that, okay? Um, the bowl is sitting there in the exact spot where I left it, but it's been picked clean. There's nothing in it. There's no juice. There's no berry stains. There's no nothing. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, well, that's awfully strange, You know, I mean, if a deer shoved his face in the air, you would think he would chew the heck out of it and make a mess. And, 
you know, knock the ball over, or at least dislodge it, move mm-hmm. it, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with other animals. You know, I'm on, yeah, you know, and, and so I'm so when I was on, on that other show, and I said, you know, so I dismissed it because I figured, okay, so some kids were in here and they ate the blueberries, and then she said, right, because if you were walking through the woods and you saw a bowl of fresh blueberries just sitting there, you would eat them, right? <laughs> and I went. That's a good point. And then I was like, reminded me of that scene from one of the Shrek movies where he's like, Donkey, there's a plate of fresh waffles in the middle of the forest. Don't you find that a little bit suspicious? No. <laughs> you know, but I don't know what happened. You know, so I took the bowl and I went home. You know, I, I have like some motion, you know, some, some trail cams that I'm planning to put out there and even a way to put some bait up high enough that, you know, deer and stuff couldn't mess with it. And I will probably do that tomorrow, to be honest. I've been, but, uh, you know, that that's what happened. And I, I can't prove it. I, I do did a drawing of it this, as soon as I walked in the door, you know, so I mean. Uh, that, I'd, I'd but, like uh, to see that drawing if you could send it to me because we, we have someone in our group who she's been studying the, well, the Fae. Like for all her life, and if if you could show me a drawing, she she may be able to give you more information on that. If you'd want to sure. do that, yeah, it's I okay. mean it's yeah. The, my, my book that comes out in in April has a drawing of its face, has the the drawing what well, I for, what I drew that day with in the windshield when I saw it in the headlights mm-hmm. and stuff, you know. But uh, it was an unpleasant looking creature. Mm-hmm. Well, well, let me just be clear here. This is not Tinkerbell. You know, this yeah. is not some delicate <laughs> yeah. little, you know, like, ah, oh, yeah. oh. no, no. I mean, this thing was probably only a foot tall, maybe a little more. I would say its head was about the size of an apple, on a guess. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it was fairly large. I mean, like I said, the wingspan was probably three to four feet. The wings were big. Oh, I, I didn't mm-hmm. say that. But, uh, like, you know, which is like you always see like these renditions, and you're like, how? Like, what are you a bumblebee? Like, how is are those little wings going to carry this body? This thing has mm. wings like more like a bird's in proportion to its mm. height. That's like yeah, that's interesting. You know? and um, but you know, but I saw its face, and it was that ugly, pissed off little critter. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you try to grab this thing, you were going to lose a finger. Or Lord knows what else. <laughs> That's assuming there weren't a hundred of them watching from the treetops and, you know, (laughs) all of a sudden, like, you know, they find your bones picked clean or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it was something to see. I mean, like, I don't know. And you would think with all the hundreds of trips I've done on the water, on the ocean and stuff, yeah, you'd think if I ran into some sort of cryptid, it would be like some plesiosaur or something mm-hmm. or the kraken or you know mm-hmm. or a hideous mermaid that you know didn't shave in like five years and she you know <laughs> let herself go and became a manatee but you know what do i see a freaking brownie brownie now i want now i want brownies oh my god i'm hungry but, oh, sorry so there you have it that's the story so, uh, that's interesting uh, Thank, thanks for sharing that I'd, I'd like to see the drawing and uh, sure, Brian. Please, yeah, whenever your book comes out, I'll help you promote it. I would like to get that for our files and check it out. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. It's uh, okay. It's uh, yeah, uh, uh, good stuff. Uh, uh, Max, what's the title? Uh, Monsters and Marine Mysteries. Okay. And do, uh, what? So, so you have 
several different types of mysteries well I didn't do the Loch Ness thing because you know that's been beaten to death and all that stuff um, I focused on evidence that I got and I met a lot of people um, I have actual proof photographic proof first off that great white sharks exceed 25 feet in length and there's mm-hmm. no denying it I mean, I've got video of, of one of my guys measuring bites with a tape measure, fresh bites on whale corks, and they're gigantic. Wow. And one of my marine biologist uh, uh, call friends, I mean, gave me photos of a 40-foot whale shark with a four-foot shark bite on its flank, and it's relatively fresh, meaning a year old or less. No megalodons, huh? I don't think this is a megalodon. I think this is either a mutant white shark or Mm. something that's supposed to be extinct and isn't. And my bet in the book is, um, oh, God, it's uh, Chubutensis. Now it's Otodus instead of Carcharodon or or, or what. But um, it's... uh, Otodus trevitensis, which was shared the seas with Megalodon and is the original Columbus species that it broke off from. And that shark reached uh, up to like 40 feet or darn close to it. And its teeth are more like a white shark's than a Megalodon's. Mm -hmm. It was more of a predator. It didn't, you know, convert to scavenge. So that, I've gone, I've interviewed people that one guy who saw an octopus started, like a 30-foot section of octopus tentacle started exploring his boat while him and his friends watched. Wow. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. People. Oh, I can't wait for this. This is going to be interesting. It's some crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. So, so and any, I uh, interviewed. Not, not, nothing about any UFOs coming out of the water, huh? No, no UFOs. But there is one reference to the one um, down in, um, oh, my God, where is that? Cape Sable, I guess it's near there. The, uh, where, is is that, that Florida? No, it's uh, it's like Canada. There's a um, there's a cryptid out there that historically people have been calling the Cape Sable Serpent or something like that, and that's not its real name, which is one of the corrections I made in the book. It was called the Southside Sea Monster. But when all these people were saw and were attacked by this thing, three different boatloads of fishermen were attacked, chased by this monster, and wow. yeah. And they were calling it the South Side Sea Monster. And then some person from the newspaper, supposedly, came by, drew what they saw perfectly, and then said, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll be hearing from us. And then they put out a fake drawing that was nothing like what they saw in the papers, and they were calling it the Cape Sable Serpent instead of what they were calling it. So it was like some hmm. sort of almost like a deliberate disinformation campaign. Hmm. That uh, So I got the guy, Rodney, I interviewed him. He was great. Uh, who else? Gosh, the guy who was with Gary LaMotta and saw that 38-foot turtle out of off of, uh, I think it was Vancouver Island. Wow. I mean, the list goes on and on and oh, on. I really good. got some. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's good stuff. I think a lot of people are going to appreciate it. And I tried to stay realistic and conservative. You know, when I was calculating shark size based on the bites, I, you know, showed different formulas. I went with the most conservative one possible. So, okay. you know, I don't want anybody, you know, based on the uh, legitimate scientific methods and stuff. I don't want anybody saying, oh, he's exaggerating and stuff. You know, I'm not exaggerating. You know, if I got a four-foot shark bite, you know, with tooth marks showing it, et cetera, the shark is at least this big. 
and that's the way it is. Wow. So, but anyway, God, I talk too much. I'm so sorry. No, it was, it was very interesting. I, I, I definitely want to talk to you more. <laughs> Thank you. It's listen. It's been my pleasure. Unfortunately, it is past eleven o'clock, and I got to go talk yep. in little Miss Muffet, who's been staying up later than she should be anyway. I, I apologize, guys. I'm really sorry. No, okay. no problem. Yeah. Take uh, take care of family and uh, uh, Max. Th- thanks for being our guest. You know, Brian. Uh, you know, we can talk for a few more minutes, Brian. You know, I know you okay. you, you need to get up for work. But uh, uh, Max, uh, what's your website? How how do people get a hold of you? Uh, and you know, ho- hopefully, you can be posting about your book over yeah, the next um, uh, couple it, months. It, it, they can find me at uh, maxhawthorne.com. M A X. Hawthorne, like Nathaniel, no relation. Um, or like you said, com. And there's, if they go on the site, there's a, a paleo gallery that people can check out with artwork and stuff. And there's uh, free excerpts and downloads from some of the books and, you know, all sorts of stuff. You know, everybody's welcome. And um, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing too much of the social media thing these days. I just, I don't have a lot of time. But, you know, readers are, you know, there's a couple groups out there, like the Cronus Rising group and stuff. There are people more than welcome to join and follow and, you know, it's it's great, and Amazon obviously and Barnes and Noble have the books. So that's the the only books that are out right now is my novels, the Cronus Rising series that you mentioned, and uh, and that old uh, you know expose I did called Memoirs of a Gym Rat. If you're you know in, in what really goes on behind the scenes in health clubs, hmm. we got to get you to come down uh, and speak some year uh, uh, on the, uh, the the Sea Mysteries down at the Butler Conference. That would be fantastic. It would be my pleasure. Yeah, Butler, uh, Butler, Pennsylvania. I don't know where exactly you're at in PA or how long it would take you to get here. but Yeah, shoot me the info. I, I'd love to check it out. Sure. And um, okay. if you guys want, I'll, I'll – in fact, uh, uh, you have my email, Brian? No, I don't. You can I'll make sure get, I get, it, get it from that more. handsome guy, Mark, right there. And, uh, okay, hold you Okay, cool. And yeah, and I'll uh, you can shoot me the info, and I'll send you the pictures, you know, of the, uh, awesome. the winged critter and all that, and you can tell me what you think. And uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll try to get back to you with uh, with our friend, and uh, be interesting what she tells you. <laughs> so. Awesome, sounds like a plan. Well, you guys have a great night, and thanks again. You too. Okay. Great talking to you. My pleasure. Bye. Thanks, Max. Okay, so uh, uh, Brian, so uh, you don't think uh, the uh, winged creature that uh, Max saw was a uh, sandhill crane. No, 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 I don't. <laughs> That's a good inside uh, man joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so okay, we get a flying humanoid from Max's um, story. Is there's some kind of connection to the Van Meter visitor or Mothman, any of the other kind of uh, flying humanoid creatures that have been documented? Is there some kind of variation? I, I it doesn't. You know, we we all. I think I've talked to. We do research the wing wing, and we call them entities, uh, humanoids, whatever you want to call them. Uh, 
and most of the ones that we've got have been a lot larger, humanoid size, you know, human size. Uh, we did uh-huh. get one report years ago from Butler, uh, not that far from the conference, probably maybe 15 miles from the conference, 12 miles. Uh, it was of a bat-like creature, a four-foot-tall bat-like creature that was on a bridge over uh, Lake Arthur Moraine State Park. And when the guy was coming close to it, it actually jumped from the road up on the guardrail and it just jumped down and, and flew. Wow. It was like late at night. But that but that was about four foot tall. That was a lot bigger than what he said. So I, I kind of a and, and I'm definitely no expert on the on the Fay. That's more my wife and our friend Leah's. Uh once we could see the drawing, our friend Leah could probably uh identify it and she would make a great guest on your show. I could talk with her. Uh she can talk about awesome. the Fay. It would be a really interesting show for you, so yeah, and you know, since, since we've uh, you know, spoken a little bit about um, like some of these river monsters uh, tales, you know how we uh, ways to identify if you know they're a mammal or something. Um, you know, Max gave us what the stature of this fay was. Like a a foot tall, but the wings were uh, three to four times the size of the body, and that seems characteristic of uh, birds. You know, uh, uh, many birds do have um, huge wingspans. Mm-hmm. It, 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 what Max describes sounds realistic the i don't know how how you explain the human like face yeah i don't either it's it's uh i I'm very interested in seeing the drawing and uh i'm sure our friend will have more, will have a lot more information once she sees the drawing oh yeah oh, and i, I can i can I message you too if you if you i can hook you up if you you know would want her on one of your shows she'd sure. be very interesting talking about the pay and the you know, I'm interested in in the topic. Uh, we had uh, <clears throat> Jacqueline on the show last summer uh, talking about something similar. Uh, what's her name? Um, I forget her name. It's, but. Um, there is a conference where similar topics will be discussed. Uh, Jacqueline Lane, uh, she, she was discussing things like that over over the uh, summer. That was an interesting uh, show about you know these, some of these woodland creatures, um, but. You, you will uh, all things, you know, staying on schedule. You do have a, a uh, conference coming up in April in uh, Butler County, uh, Pennsylvania. You know, people like tonight's uh, topic. Uh, Tell us a little bit about 
this conference, uh, who some of the speakers are, and hopefully you know, get some people you know, uh, out and about this uh, springtime to attend it. Yeah, it's uh, Saturday, April uh, 24th. It's in uh, uh, a place called the Tanglewood Senior Center, and that's in Lindora, PA. That's in Butler County. Um, it's from uh, 10 to 6, I believe, is the time. It's $15 admission. Uh, we're going to have five speakers. We have two uh, two definites, and then we have three others who uh, we're looking to announce what we can't announce yet. Um, we have Patricia Coleman, a good friend of ours. She's from Erie, PA. She's going to talk about some of her uh, paranormal research. Um, and we also have uh, Zelia Edgar, which I believe you know and you've talked to before. Mm-hmm. She's, oh, she's been to, a guest she, a couple yeah, times. I think she's going to talk about, uh, oh, I think it's about like uh, aliens and clothing or something like that is what her topic is going to be. So, uh, um, it, 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 Is that the Flatwoods Monster uh, discussion that she does? No, I think this is a, a different discussion, but... Um, I can't say for sure until she, you know, gives us the, the, the actual title, of, which we'll be getting soon. But I'm really, like I said, I've never met her. I just talked to her the one time on uh, Steve Ward's show a couple weeks back. It was, and uh, really interesting. She knows her stuff. She's done a lot of research, a lot of reading. Uh, yeah, she's she's one of the uh, the up and comers now. The one of the, you know, the young young breed. She's a lot. Uh, younger than all of us older people here. <laughs> so it's great to see that we have uh, younger researchers coming up who are who are die hard. They're really interested in it. And uh, I think this field needs more of that. I think she's uh, very knowledgeable. And if you just throw out one example you know, of... Uh, Cigar-shaped UFOs. She she can give you know it's like you know which example do you want to hear about? I mean she you know she 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 really knows the material very well. Yeah, she's, yeah. yeah I think and, and, and I think when she, she was a guest last year, uh, I, I think she has um, been researching. The number of cases with uh, ETs with um, clothing, yeah, Mark- and and mar- you know, markings on. Talking about, yeah, be very interesting. I can't wait to, you know. And again, we, you know, we're still on schedule for uh, April twenty fourth, providing no more pandemics or outbreaks or more rule restrictions. So we think we think yeah. it's going to be a good. Okay, and, and so uh, and there are co- uh, two two or three more speakers that uh, you aren't able to. You're still confirming. Yeah, we yeah uh, Dan Hagman, who actually runs the uh, runs the conference, we co-sponsor with him, but uh, he runs it, and uh, we have to get the exact confirmation before we get names in case something you know in case they couldn't make it. Right. Or right. Oh, no, I understand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, okay. Uh, Dan, 
uh, Dan's uh, very knowledgeable about these topics as well. Yeah, it'd be great. He would be another fantastic guest. Uh, if you're interested, you know, I can, can get you his, his info and you can talk with him. I think you would uh, be very, uh, very happy with, with him. If you would, you know, like you said, if you do come to the Butler Conference, we, you know, we can introduce you to a lot of people. You'd have guests for a long time. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, that's what we need. Yep. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all, all, the, you know, our, our little group of people from, you know, the Mothman, and, you know, like Joey and Tanya, and it, it, it's Steve, mm-hmm. Brent, uh, you know, Rains, you know, like, that whole group. It's you know, uh, a really supportive. A uh, group of people, you know, uh, mm-hmm. real, real, I really like working with them. So, um, you know, uh, Brian, is there anything else you want to plug? I know you have to um, get up early for work, and it's, you know, mm-hmm. want to give you a minute to plug anything, and you know, uh, we can wrap it up uh, shortly and call it an early evening. Yeah, I. Uh... Basically, you know, we're still we're looking for reports uh, of any kind of you know unknown cryptid, unknown animal. Yeah, even a uh, our other group Q Center for Unexplained Events. We we will take your uh, your fairy story, your your fae story, any other weird story, time slips, whatever you want, whatever makes up the paranormal. Just uh, contact us. We have two two Facebook groups. You can just message us through there. Uh, Center for Unexplained Events on Facebook and uh, Center for Cryptozoological Studies, and just uh, message us on there, and uh, we'll get back to you, and uh, you know, hopefully we could talk, and all names are kept confidential. Um, we never give out names. Even if uh, you would grant us permission, we still don't like to give out the names. Uh, we feel that your story is what people want to hear, your encounter, uh, because if you know someone comes forth with an encounter, somebody might say, Hey, um, I saw the same thing, and I think that means a lot when you get validation from people you don't even know if they saw the same thing. So, but we uh, we are looking for encounters. So just uh, just give us a, you know just message us. Yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, Max's new book, uh, Northern oh, me Sea too. Monsters. I can't wait now. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that uh, that's a a new topic for us as well. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. So, okay, uh, Brian, I know you need to uh, get up early for work. So uh, I just want to th- thank you for h- hanging on for a few extra minutes uh, talking about the uh, Butler uh, Paranormal Festival. If they just Google that, it, it should probably come up. And Yeah, Butler Paranormal Conference, yeah. Okay, and yeah, and I, I, you know, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, had, yeah had a fun uh, time, really fun time. Great, and you know, we'll, uh, you know, talk talk about having your friends on. I, I just want to expand into other topics, and it it will work out really well. So, um, thanks again, Brian, and we will be back. Sunday with uh, Solaris's show and um, just want thank everyone for listening and 
have have a nice week. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot again. Have a good night.